first. Hello. Nice, we got three mics. All right. <clears throat> well, if you are still joining us online, it looks like we have a few people on here. We kind of want to open it up for any kind of questions you guys may have. And if you're here in person, that's even better. You can ask us questions, and we'll just kind of repeat them back, I guess, so people can hear us online. Um, so, yeah, let's just get started. Any questions for anybody? Anybody have any questions about things that we've talked, that these two have talked about up to this point, or just any general questions about anything? <laughs> Not, I, I say that. Got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I can, see, I can see a couple eyebrows going up. <laughs> so, this is heavily dependent on you guys to ask us questions, so... You have all. <laughs> she should be. She needs to come up here and take my seat. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna look online too to see if there's anybody there. Looks like there's a few people watching. So, if not, I guess we can just come up with something. No, <laughs> that might be better, right? So it's anonymous. Yeah, you can. If you have my number, and want to text me? You can. I'll I'll check it. No guarantees we're gonna answer it, but I'll check it. <laughs> all right. Everybody's got their phones. This is going to be interesting. I have my volume up. I can hear me talking. That's awkward. <laughs> Somebody wanted me to... Uh... <laughs> you guys are killing me. Somebody... I'm not going to say the first thing, but the second thing, uh, somebody asked uh, your name on your page, Jeremiah. One of one of the one of your pages has an I and one has an E. Which one is it? Question. Okay, it's uh, a good question. My license says J E R I. Okay. M I A H. All right. But I had a nickname. I went by Ozzy for most of my young adult life, and that was like my nickname, you know. And so when I actually got saved, that's when I started going by Jeremiah. And so I like the E because the E is biblical. The okay. I is not. And so I started going by J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H. But then that other guy who's Jeremiah Johnson is a minister. So I thought I would try to get rid of the confusion by changing it to an I. Okay. Very unsuccessful. I've just caused more <laughs> confusion. And then I just have to tell the story, you know, like over and over again. And it's just bad. So anyway, that's the story. Okay. There you go. Yeah. First question answered. That Amen. Was, that Praise was God. Great. Um. Oh, we have a question. Go ahead. Just sh just shout it out. I'll repeat it. Okay, I'll say real quick for everybody that's walking on, I'm walking, I hope they're not walking, watching online. She was asking, now that we're in grace and we're free and we know that we can't lose this, um, you know, where does, where does it fit in to like actually seek God or seek to please God? Is that, is that what you were saying? Right. Can I answer? Even though I ran my mouth for an hour and a half. Yes, you know Jeremiah with an I, maybe. <laughs> this is in my heart, though. Um, just believe. That's it. Like what what pleases him is um, you believing that his son did a good job. You know, the Bible says that faith pleases God. 
And he, it doesn't please him in the sense that, like, he's waiting on faith coins. You get enough faith coins, and, you know, he's going to be pleased with you. But you, you only get to eat what you believe. You only get to enjoy what you believe. And so God has given, you, given all of us all of these things, but you're only going to taste what you actually believe. And so what pleases God um, is, is really just believing. And then out of the believing will flow all of the behavior and will flow, uh, you know, just like, just like tonight when you were worshiping the Lord. Like you got really caught up tonight and it was awesome. Like it blessed all of us. Like it blessed us big time. And, and your, your devotion and your worship uh, came, out of a, you know, came out of a place of genuineness and as you worship, like it was, a, it was an awesome thing. It was a pleasing thing, but it really came out of a place of believing that Jesus is good and Jesus loves you. Are you tracking me? And so like all the, the, the pleasing begins with believing and then everything else flows out of that. Does that make sense? You might want to add to that. I do. Okay. Do what? I can't. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying. I was trying to find the exact scripture. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I think I have it here. And not saying that there aren't actions that are pleasing to the Lord. Like, like Paul was sharing about, you know, justice and performing justice in the land and like doing the right thing. That's pleasing to the Lord, but it's a fruit of believing properly. When you believe properly, the actions will follow. Right. And I'm, I'm going along. I'm not going against what you're saying. I'm going to go along exactly the same thing. Um, but in, in John six twenty eight, it says, they asked him, what must we, what was, what? Slow down, Justin. What must we do? To do the works, plural, God requires. Jesus answered, the work, singular, of God is this, to believe the one he has sent. So just like Jeremiah was saying, when you believe, you that's that's it. From that place, from that source of believing and knowing that, that that's who he is and that's who he is to you, you no longer seek to create a, a closeness because there's no more distance. So when, once you believe that, um, it, like Jeremiah was saying, it becomes much more natural. I know, you know, when I talk about the wave thing and reaching back, it was so natural. Once I did that, my body was just in the correct position to go. I didn't have to think about it. It wasn't like something I had to really like uh, quantify and like, you know, put put all everything together. It just it just began began to be natural. And I think it's the same way when we believe. It says this is this is the one thing that that God is requiring us is to believe on His Son. So I think once we get to that place, um, there it's not that there's not a hunger anymore that we don't desire. You know, you know, we say more of the Lord. We still desire the Lord more, but it's not that it's a, a quantity of Him that He's He's fluctuating like that. It's just a greater revelation of that truth each day. So I think the the whole uh, the whole hunger thing is you're full, but you're still hungry. It's almost a bit of a, a a paradox, I guess. You you still desire, even though He's always there. So I think that um, I don't know. It, it's it's just not as complicated as I thought it it once was. It's 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 just seeing, believing, and understanding that it's true, and then living from that place. So it's source instead of goal, I guess. Maybe. I, I would add one thing. Um, I think that we have become so conditioned to knowing we're righteous, accepting our identity as sons and daughters, that when the sense of I should do this comes to us. I should read. I should witness. We've, we almost push back in the grace community against that because we're afraid that we're trying to earn our righteousness or earn our favor. And I've watched grace communities push back so hard against the I ought to 
that they reject sermons if I ought to. Anytime anyone says to them, you know what you, you know what we ought to do? And they go, well, I don't want to be told what I ought to do. That's legalism. <laughs> and and that's, that's actually a real issue that is plaguing grace communities because they're so anti-ought to, I think maybe, maybe the way I hear your question is, Sometimes I hear a voice that says I ought to witness. How do I do that knowing I'm already pleasing to the Lord? And should I go ahead and do that or read that or pray or lay hands on this person? Be sensitive to the sound of the Holy Spirit who speaks into that moment and says, I want you to go do this. And don't make it a legalism. I've got to do it or I'm lost. I've got to do it or I'm going to hell. I've got to do it or God hates me. No. I get to do what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do. I get to say no as well. But I get the joy of saying yes. And, and then step into that and say, I'm well-pleasing to the Father because of Jesus. I believe and, and thus I'm well-pleasing. But I just think that we have to be careful teaching, presenting it in such a way that we're against the ought-tos that are the very tune of the Holy Spirit. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Now, and I'll say this. There are, pl- there are plenty of ought-tos in the New Covenant. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's tons of them, but yeah. they, they're, 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 our, our identity's not based on them. It's absolutely. You know? But, man, that was really good. Amen. I got one more. It says, uh, someone's asking, what is the most important thing to help grace people to avoid complacency or just outright, I've arrived, I'm good, uh, to press on or to keep growing? I think getting knocked down a time or two helps you. I mean, th- you know, you, get it, you think you're something, and then you go out on the field and you get beat. And nothing helps you to realize you're not as good as you think you are than the other team beating you. And so in, in life, getting knocked down is one of the best ways to figure out how to get up and what to do. And I think in, in gray circles... Um, any circle, it's not just a grace community, but any place in which you're complacent, it's because you haven't been challenged in a while. And so I think we need to accept the great challenges of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not about letting us atrophy and just fall apart and fall into laziness. So he's not going to pull us like into, let's go into deeper water so you can be closer to God business. But there is something to be said for for fruit production. Um, and, and so I think just getting some adversity is a beautiful thing. And so embrace the storm. Um, learn how to deal with the situation. Nothing will really keep you from being complacent any faster than a bunch of snakes in your wilderness. So Israel goes into the wilderness and there's a bunch of snakes and they get bit. And they go to God and say, can you take these snakes away from us? And God doesn't. Because God never takes your snakes away. But he does give you the cross to take the venom out of your system. So God's not taking the adversity from your life or the issues. But he has given you the remedy. So I don't, I don't, to me, nothing beats complacency like having to step around a few snakes once in a while. Or ride out a few storms once in a while. Or overcome a few obstacles once in a while.
I think also, um, for whatever reason, Grace has gotten this reputation of, of leading people to complacency or apathy. And I don't, I mean, that, that to me is just a gross misunderstanding of what grace really is. And I think a lot of the early arguments that are, are debates and arguments that I got in was just that, was people, were people um, having just a poor understanding of what grace is and then for, for whatever reason applying that to me because I believed in grace. And grace is, is not separate, separate from the gospel. The gospel is grace. I mean, it is, it is Jesus. These things, it's not, it's not a, um, just a form to, oh, well, there's, there's grace for that or there's grace for that. No, grace is much bigger than just, just those little things. Grace is, is huge and is actually what is, should be pushing us forward to do more things, not to, to make us complacent. That's good. I'll add, you know, if you if, we're, if we bring a car up here on this stage and, um, you know, it's a race car and it runs great, but we're going to take the motor out, we're going to put a different motor in, the time period in which the, the, the car is under construction and the motivation and the motor behind it that's being changed out, it may look like complacency. What's happening, the, 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 motive, the motor, the motives are being changed. And so when people come out of legalism, they got to change their motor. Their motor's wrong. they got to get it renewed. But then when you get the right motor in, what we'll find is we actually do more. You know, Paul said, I labor more abundantly than you all. And it was, but not I, but the grace that was upon me. I have found that I am more fruitful in grace than I was in legalism, but I strive less. Like I'm accidentally more spiritual than I am on purpose. <laughs> I mean, I really am, you know, Amen. and I'm totally okay with that, you know, and it, because um, I found that I'm more fruitful but I'm less striveful. And I know I just made that word up, but y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> Amen. But there's a period of time where that engine changes where it looks like nothing's happening, but really the motivation in that individual's life being changed. But what we have to do is we have to get to this place on the other side of that where that engine is driving us. And I, think, I feel like, you know, in gray circles, we're kind of turning that corner and seeing what that looks like. So. All right, we have a few more people watching online now. So if you guys have any questions, just put it on here. But I just got one through text message. And it says, is there a line we draw with, with turning the other cheek in the kingdom? So. <laughs> that question's not for me. <laughs> That's the reason I smile. <laughs> I feel like Paul should Paul answer this one. I feel like this is a Paul, I feel like this is a Paul White question. Well, I, I think the, the motivation, a lot of times when I'm taking questions, I try to think about why a question exists, not just the answer to the question. So why the question exists is what's the line I draw and turn the other cheek reminds me very much of the, a question Jesus received, which was, Lord, if a man asks me to forgive him, how many times is it permissible before I can say no? Seven? And you know what Jesus says. And Jesus' response is 70 times 7, which doesn't mean at 491 you get to stop saying. It was a very, it was a very Hebrew-centric number that's basically saying, Peter, there is no end to the kingdom. There is no end to forgiveness. There is no end. You don't, the metric by which you measure things in the world is very cultural very local, uh, very reactive, very, very emotional. You don't get to use those metrics in the kingdom. So my response would be, I think if you were to have asked Jesus that question, he would have said 70 times 7. Um, we still want a practical answer. We want to say, yeah, but 
I've turned the other cheek and I got knocked over. Am I supposed to turn it again? And again, and this is not a cop out. This is literally the only way you can live in the kingdom. You have to listen to the voice of the spirit. You, you can't legalize the kingdom. So you have to listen to how the spirit responds. I don't know if there's ever a right moment to pull the sword. But I know swords exist. And I know we carry them. I know Jesus didn't advocate ever pulling it. But I do know Jesus said, you come against me with swords as if I were a robber. Which sounds like maybe a loophole for using your sword against robbers. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, being, I'm being facetious, but I'm also just trying to show you that there's not a hard black and white in the kingdom. And we have to get out of that. One of the reasons we're so polarized is we live in a world of there's good and evil. You're either in the good or you're in the evil. And the kingdom has multicolored grace because we're multicolored people. That's what Peter said when he said there is the manifold grace of God. Manifold means multicolored. The manifold grace is for manifold temptations. So I have a lot of issues. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the end is. But I, I think the spirit of Jesus is 70 times 7. Good. Can I add, can I add to that? You can add to that. Okay. Thank you. Um, amen. Uh, I, this is just my take on it. But, like, what, what does turning the cheek look like, you know, like in a practical sense, in a practical scenario? Um, because, like, you're always called to pray for those that come against you, for your enemies, for those that persecute you. You're always called to do that. But, you know, you're not called to be in relationship with everyone. Yes. And, you know, and if you take a walk through Proverbs, you know, Proverbs will let you know there's some people, you know, how I many you know? Like, there's some people that are not in my life right now. Yeah. I've forgiven them. I love them. But they don't belong yeah. in my life. And it's not because I don't love them, doesn't got, that I haven't forgiven them. I've turned the other cheek, but I'm also not looking to have relationship with a toxic, poisonous person. And so if you, if you walk through Proverbs, I mean, there are people that, I mean, every, you're called to minister to everyone, but you're not called to be in fellowship with everyone. Y'all tracking me here? And this ties in with what Paul's saying. You got to be spirit-led. You know, like I have people in my family I have nothing to do with. And I love them and I bless them, but we're not in a place where relationship is healthy. Because, I mean, you can be in some relationships where you're just constantly turning the other cheek and they're just beating you down. And you don't need to be in a relationship like that, you know. And so this is not, we always turn the other cheek. But in my opinion, turning the other cheek doesn't look like relationship with everybody. Does that make sense? Amen. Um, for whatever reason, this reminded me, I had a conversation with, uh, with my nephew recently. He asked me a really deep question. He was, he was very emotional. He was upset about something. And he asked me, and he expected a response. And I, I just paused, and I continued doing what I was doing. And he got frustrated with me, and he said, well, why won't you answer my question? Like, don't you care? I was like, yeah, but that was a really deep question. I'm not just going to come back and, yeah. and tell you. I really need to process this and think about it. You know, I want to come back and give you a decent answer. And I think I, I, I learned something in that, in that too, I could have come back with something that was fairly shallow and just give him a, some decent advice, but I really wanted to think about it. And I think uh, uh, just just as Paul was saying too, kind of doodling in the sand, 
Um, I think we really need to, instead of just reacting, we need to respond. And so in certain situations where there's conflict or there's things that are, are right in our face, you, I think we really need to take the time, and this is something we talked about in youth the other night too, is to take the time to, to gain some perspective on the other person before you just respond really quickly. Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a, a great benefit not just for the other person, but for us as well, in, in gaining perspective in those situations that we don't just res, just react, that we actually take the time to think about what's going on and what's going on in the other person because we are called to love our neighbor. We are called to love people. So that just reminded me of that. I've got a couple more questions here. Let's see. Could you expound on the art of speaking the truth in love? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start there. <laughs> I'll tell you what it's not... <laughs> I'll tell you what it's not before we tell you what it is. Uh, what I heard a lot of speaking the truth in love was being a jerk and then trying to say I love you at the end of it. <laughs> and I, I still to this day get a lot of that. I'll get, I'll get a lot of things that are very uh, demeaning or critical. And at the very end, it's, I'm only telling this because I love you. And I'm like, are you sure? Because it doesn't, it doesn't seem that way. So I think just because you tack the word love on it doesn't mean that you're saying it in love. I think that I think that the heart behind what you do, the actual motives behind what you do, will be produced in the actions and the words that you say. So you, in, in my opinion, you should never have to say, I'm doing this in love. It should be obvious. I think that if you, if you have a relationship with a person, you're speaking to a person, and you're, and you're building them up and not tearing them down, I shouldn't say that I'm telling you this in love. That should be, that should be a given. So that's my take on it. What do you guys think? I, I, I think that's perfect. I, Paul said I'm perfect. <laughs> Did you get that? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to disagree. I'm just um, it, I, I don't think you have the right to speak to everybody and know the difference. And Say that again. So no, I don't, don't think you have the right to speak to everyone. Okay. You certainly don't have the right to tell people your truth to just anyone. And you don't have the right to speak to them about what you believe is truth for them or even what you believe is the truth. You earn the right to say something that matters in someone's life. And if you don't earn that right, you can keep it to yourself. Yeah. And you earn that right by caring about them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why I say that. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's it. I just think you have to know that it's not for everyone. Unless you're on social media, then you can say whatever you want. Yeah. With zero consequences. <laughs> you can hide behind a fake name or that's right. you know, whatever. Yeah. I think that's called trolling. That's what they call it. Yeah. All right, I've got one here. It says, uh, how widespread is the grace movement in the USA? I think it's everywhere, but I don't think that it, I mean, it's all over, but I think it's like they're just pockets, you know? And uh, I, did, I think God's, you know, connecting the small pockets. But I think it's everywhere, but I don't think it's, like, predominant. What do you think, Paul? I mean, no, you travel I, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I... No, I, I don't think it's quantifiable. You no, know, yeah, I, mean, but, I, don't, I don't think... Yeah. yeah, I think it's... I think... I see a little bit everywhere. Yeah. I'll say it that way. Um, I'd like to see a lot everywhere, but I see a little bit everywhere. Yeah. I will say that I've seen more... Um, a lot older, like than I, I, I thought this was some, not that I thought it was something new, but it was new to, to us, you know. And, and the, the more I've read, the more I've studied, I see that this is not anything necessarily new. Um, but it is, it is a truth. It's, it's a bit of revelation for us and understanding just the, you know, the finished work, the, the understanding of finished work theology and, 
and uh, and grace in general, just the, the unmerited favor of God, that this isn't something new necessarily. It's just something that we've kind of started to see, I guess. So I don't know. To me, a lot of times when we separate, you know, or it seems like we're separating grace as though it's something different or something new, but it's just the gospel. Yeah, I mean, it's not, this isn't some new thing that's catchy. Or it's 2,000 years old, right? Right. I mean, this, is, <laughs> this has been around for a minute, you know what I'm saying? This is This has been here for a while, and this is not... It's not something that we jumped on because it, we thought it was something cool. Obviously, yeah. you know we're not we're not trying to trying to make a ton of money here. <laughs> you know this is this is how we see. You know, like what Jeremiah was talking about, there is a big sin management machine in the church that yeah. that can keep keep this process going and keep grinding and keeping people um, kind of under under that kind of legalism. But I mean, the thing about grace is you can't you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's there's too much freedom in it and. You know, it kind of is what it is. So, I do think it's growing. I do think. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I gr- it's definitely growing. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know people can hear so many different voices and they can hear grace and it resonates in them. So, amen. I will say also that I, <clears throat> I can appreciate the, you know, what you were saying about churches coming together in different denominations, and that's something that's been my heart for years and has been a frustration even right after I got saved and not, not understanding why there were so many de- denominations. It was it was very frustrating to me and. And uh, even seeing, you know, and more recently, I've seen more and more uh, different denominations come together and seeing the bigger picture. And I think that's a very good thing, Uh, even in the midst of of everything that's going on around us, that we can see uh, different churches, different backgrounds and different people come together and seeing the bigger picture of what's going on. And I think that's that's going to be really powerful as far as I want to call the grace movement, the gospel movement in general. I mean, just seeing. Uh, the kingdom, seeing Jesus on earth and, and seeing that manifest around us is going to be an amazing thing when we, when we set back all those little trivial things that we were bickering about um, for so many years. I think it's going to be an amazing thing. So I, I think it is growing. I think that, you know, that it is going to be a, a, a difference in the U.S. All right, I got one more. I think we'll wrap up here. If there was one verse that you could pick that was most transformative in your transition from legalism to grace, what was it? Um, he loved us first. We love him because he loved us first. John, I think First John four eighteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was the one that really just changed my life forever. So, uh, for me, it was First um, Corinthians six. Paul said, "All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient." And that was the verse that I just remember. Th- thinking Paul was wrong, you know, (laughs) all things aren't lawful. You can't say that to people. All things are lawful. What are people going to do? And that got me on the journey. That was really, that was the verse. That was my gateway verse of like, uh, that (laughs) That was my gateway verse into this drug called finish. What a curveball. Because I just, I, I did, I remember thinking I was, had this liberating feeling, but this real quizzical, almost argumentative you know, because I'd read it a thousand times, but there was something that happened that day when I read it that was, I was ripe. And I had to go on a journey to figure out how you, anyone as smart as Paul could say all things are lawful. I can't think of a single one, like one, one individual one. I think it was, it was several. It was a process of seeing um, all these things that, that didn't fit in my legalistic paradigm um, throughout all of Scripture there were all these holes that couldn't be filled. And I think that as, as I read through all of them, 
when I began to discover grace, it was it was one of those too good to be true kind of things. Like this is too good to be true, but then it filled all those places that I was missing as I was reading through scripture. And I was like, okay, well maybe it is true. <laughs> you know, this is this is good. And then I was like, okay, this makes more sense now. This makes more sense now. This makes more sense now. So for me, it was it was a lot. It wasn't one specific one. It was several, and it was all those holes that I just skipped over because I didn't. I, they didn't make any sense to me. Um, so yeah, that was. It was the Bible, pretty much. It was the whole Bible. Yep, I'm glad I could help. Read it. You read it. Just read the whole Bible. Look through. Look through. One of the things that, and I don't know where I came up with this, but I say it all the time. I, I always say, scratch out the heading and put it's all about Jesus because it gives me better perspective on everything in Scripture and makes it not about me but about Him. And so, for that, that helped me personally as far as reading through Scripture and, and getting a better lens and understanding of what you know the meta narrative, the bigger picture, the big story was about. And so that's a little sidebar. It's free. All right. Unless you guys, you guys have anything else in here? You can. If you have something. Anything? Man, y'all are weak. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we, we really appreciate you guys. Um, it's been awesome. Looking forward to tomorrow.